Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. Today, you're going to church with people all over the world. Yes, literally thousands of people or tens of thousands of people all over the world are joining with you and growing in the grace of God. You know, grace is God's ability, God's strength, God's power, God's capacity that works in your heart, comes by unmerited favor and makes you able to do and be everything God says that you can do and everything that God says you already are. Man, I am so thankful for this chance to to share with you. Today, I'm going to be talking to you about what we call universal laws. You see, God has established universal laws. And here's one of the really interesting things about universal laws. Universal laws are not like spiritual laws. Spiritual laws require personal faith in order to operate. Universal laws just operate. They're like the law of gravity. You know, uh, if you decided to jump out of an airplane, uh, or 10 people in a row decided to jump out of an airplane, one of the things you can be sure of is, is if they didn't have a parachute, all 10 of them are gonna hit the ground because universal laws work independent of faith, work independent of anything that we believe or don't believe. And we can make these universal laws work for us or against us, and they can be a stepping stone into operating the uh, spiritual laws. As a matter of fact, where so many godly, serious people fail uh, to make their life work is we ignore the universal laws and try to just operate in spiritual laws. So strap on your seatbelt, get ready. This is going to be incredibly liberating. So like I said, we all operate in universal laws and we do it all the time, but sadly we don't know it. Now let me give you a definition of a universal law. And and in the introduction, I kind of shared some of this with you. A universal law is a law that works regardless of our beliefs and regardless of our intentions. Uh, They were established for our good, but we can misuse them and they will work toward our harm. Universal laws require no action on God's part. They just work. When we ignore or attempt to defy these laws, the outcome is always destructive to some degree. If the outcome of universal laws was based on God's judgment, then everyone would experience the exact same punishment, even though punishment is the wrong word because it's not really punishment, it's just consequences. But because they are not punishments, but instead they're consequences, then the level of destruction is variable. Now, I know that you got to be serious. What are you talking about? I'm going to show you how when God created the universe, for example, we don't have to believe 
that the earth is going to go through the solar system revolving around the sun in a way that, that keeps us alive. We don't have to use faith for that. That just happens because that is a universal law. Like I quoted earlier, you know, if you throw something up, a rock in the air, it's going to go up according to the amount of force that you have behind it. It's going to come back down to the ground and it's going to happen every single time. Those are universal laws. And those are very specifically the universal laws of physics. You know, another universal law is, uh, is the, the law of sowing and reaping, for example. Uh, every time you plant corn, that seed will only grow corn. Every time you plant an apple seed, that apple seed can only grow apples. The universal law of sowing and reaping says that whatever the seed is determines the fruit that comes from it. Now, <clears throat> when, when God created the world, the angels were present. And God created the, these universal laws. And honestly, all of the universal laws could probably be explained. The ones that work in the physical realm could be explained mathematically. And so uh, when God set the solar system and the, the universes and, and all of the different galaxies into play and, and all of the different interactions between, uh, you know, between all of the natural elements that exist in the world... Uh, he put those things into play, and they were all done on, on mathematical equations. Now, we know that there was a rebellion in heaven, and we know, according to the Bible, that there were fallen angels that crossed over and came to planet Earth and demonstrated what seemed to be supernatural powers. And those supernatural powers were really not supernatural powers as much as they were uh, the knowledge of these universal laws. See, cult groups, occult groups, new age groups, they operate universal laws and they experience what most people would consider to be miracles. So sadly, ignorant Christians over the years have thought that these miracles were done by some kind of power of the devil. But the truth is, the devil doesn't have the power to do that. And this is merely the work of fallen angels and that knew these universal laws. And uh, and it makes you look like you're powerful. It makes you look like, can you imagine what would have happened if, um, you know, if a, if a thousand years ago you had shown up in some village somewhere in a jungle and you, had a, you just had a cigarette lighter. And with this cigarette lighter is it's working totally on universal laws. You got a flint rock in there that causes a spark. You've got a, a combustionable fluid attached to a wick, and that wick absorbs that fluid. And when you spin that wheel on that cigarette lighter, that spark jumps off. It hits that wick that's covered with that combustional fluid, and bam, you suddenly got fire. I'm going to tell you, 
a thousand years ago, if you had done that, there would have been people that would have bowed down and worshiped you as a God because you were able right in your hand to create fire. Well, that's what happened whenever, with these angels that crossed over that the Bible talks about. This is what happened in ancient Greece and in, in the ancient world where, where these, quote, quote, spiritual beings seemed to demonstrate such incredible and such, uh, 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 such power in, in their lives. They were just operating natural laws. That's, that's why I'm not afraid of the devil. That's why I'm, I don't worry about the devil being able to hurt me. He can't hurt me. Now, the secret power, like I said, of Satanist groups, of the occult, is that, or let me put it this way, the secret uh, that they don't want you to know is Satan has no power. He simply knows how to operate universal laws. Now, one of the universal laws that is responsible for creating enormous pain um, is the law of sowing and reaping. Now, here's what religion teaches us about sowing and reaping, and it, it is so discouraging, and God has been vilified uh, through the law of sowing and reaping, and God has been blamed for things that He had nothing to do about. Sowing is when we do something, is when we take an action. Reaping, according to the religious world, not according to what the Bible teaches, not according to, to, the, to the natural laws that operate, reaping is considered to be when God determines the consequences of those actions. Therefore, when we sow recklessly and suffer the consequences, we assume that it's God punishing us. I am telling you what, and there is nothing more destructive to your faith than thinking that God is the one that's bringing the pain into your life, when in fact the pain in your life is usually just around some natural universal law. You know, you can't jump off of a house and break your leg and say that God caused you to break your leg. Now, He did create the universal law, but you know it's there. You know it works. If you defy it, you live in the consequences. You know, there's a scripture that I've shared with thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of people over the years. It's Proverbs 19.3. It says this. It says, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they're angry with the Lord. One translation says, then they blame God. One translation says, then they, they fret against God. Now, like I said, this is the equivalent of deciding you're going to try to fly. And so you climb up on top of the house or on top of a building. You jump off of this building because you decided you're going to, you're going to try to fly like a bird. And you break your leg. And then you're angry with God because you didn't fly. That's the way we are in the law of sowing and reaping. You know, that's the way we are in relationships. We say and do ugly, hateful things to other people. Or sometimes they're not even that ugly and that hateful. Sometimes we're just not considerate. Sometimes we're just not considering their feelings. And then we wonder why they don't like us. Or we wonder why they do those same things back to us. You know, in last week's broadcast, you know, we talked about the fact how that when we give, whatever we give, that people give it back to us. But they don't give it back to us to the same degree we gave it to them. They give it back, pressed down, shaking together, and running over do they heap this on us. That's one of the aspects of the law of sowing and reaping, where it happens on a horizontal plane. What happens between 
us and, and other people. Now, <clears throat> keep in mind, if reaping was punishment from God, then in order for God to be just, everyone would have to suffer the same consequences. So that would mean that every person that jumped off of a house or off of any structure 20 feet high, if one person died from it, if God was a just God and if he was the one causing the consequences, every single person that jumped off of something 20 feet high would die. Why do some people die and some people don't die? And this, you know, just blows my mind, you know, when, you know, when, when people try to attribute that good or bad to the Lord. There are variable factors that we're dealing with in this natural world. And I'll tell you, it amazes me that Christians don't want to own the fact that we have a natural world that we live in. We have natural bodies that we have to take care of. God tells us how to take care of these natural bodies, but somehow we want to ignore that and try to, uh, try to make everything in, you know, incredibly spiritual. So sowing and reaping happens in every aspect, every, every dynamic of creation. And, but it also relates to pain in our life. Primarily, this happens to us emotionally through passing judgments. Now, we talked last week about significance, about how that something only has the power to hurt me to the degree that I attach significance to it. Now, in the previous message, we read the scripture that I'm about to read. We read it from Luke 6, 38. I'm not going to go back and read it again, but because today I'm going to read it in Matthew 7. If you didn't watch last week's uh, broadcast, go and watch it. You might even want to stop right now and go watch it. But Matthew chapter uh, uh, 7, verse 1 says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, or what judgment you meet, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, <clears throat> this is not talking about God judging us. This is talking about two particular arenas. And it's really talking about sowing and reaping. And in Luke 6, 38, it made it really clear that what's coming back to you is not from God. It's either coming back to you from people, or it's coming back to you through Emotions. Now, let me just say this up front. All judgment is not evil. The word judgment at its very core, the root word of the Greek word judgment, just means to decide. We've got to make decisions. There are things that we should judge. There are things that the Bible tells us to judge. But sadly, the English word judge is used even though there are variations of the Greek word. For example, based on the prefixes, there is the concept of judgment that, uh, that is telling you to make a positive judgment. There are concepts of judgment that tells you just to make a judgment, so to make a decision about something. There, the word judgment in the original language can, can have to do with condemnation. Uh, so there's a lot of ways it can be used, but unfortunately it is usually just translated as judgment. Now, all judgment has emotional and perceptual consequences for good or bad. And so when we pass a judgment, 
we always, it always has an emotional impact and a perceptional impact. In other words, it is impossible for me to pass a judgment about someone without it changing or altering my perception of that person. When I first got saved, I was going to a little denominational church and, and, uh, and that denomination sent a group of, of, uh, of people interested in being missionaries. They sent them to, uh, I believe it was Sweden. And uh, when they, and this was back, you know, in the early 70s, late 60s, early 70s. And so when this group goes to Sweden, the women from America wore makeup and lipstick. Well, I don't know if it was all of Sweden. I don't know if it was that way then and different now, or if it was just one part of Sweden. But where they went to visit a church, it was considered to, uh, women with makeup and lipstick were really considered to be prostitutes. So the American women came over wearing lipstick and makeup and basically everybody looked at them like, these are immoral, godless people. But what was interesting is the women in, in this particular area pretty much never wore bras. So the women from America would look at the women from Sweden not wearing bras and they were like, man, these are a bunch of, of, of shameless women. They are immoral, they're ungodly. And so there was big contention between the two groups. Now, now stop and think about it. Let's say if your culture says that women who, who wear makeup are probably prostitutes. And, and let's, just, let's just imagine that you're sitting in a, a restaurant or a cafe and you notice a woman come in the door and she's got on makeup. And so immediately in your mind, you make a, a judgment call. You uh, attach significance to what she looks like and you assume that she is probably a prostitute. And you see her talking to a man and she's making physical contact with him. So now you're like, oh, see, she's putting the make on this guy. And she leans over and maybe whispers to him. And you're like, man, she's making a transaction over there right now. And in a few minutes, sure enough, man, he reaches in, her, in, in his pocket and pulls out some money and, and, and gives her some money. And, you know, they talk and laugh for a minute. And then she hands him a hotel key. You're like, man, I saw it. And you're going to go tell people, I saw this prostitute walk into this restaurant. And I mean, I watched her put the make on somebody and he paid her right there. And she gave him her hotel room. They were going to hook up. And I saw that that guy had on a wedding band. And so he's a married man going to hook up with a prostitute. Well, you know what it really could have been? It could have been the man's wife. And they could be visiting that city. And while he's having a cup of coffee in the restaurant, she's going to do some more shopping. He gives her some money. And before she goes back out the door, uh, she says, uh, look, you'll probably get back to the hotel before me. So here's the key. Now, the problem is, you believe that everything you have assumed is true because you have made a judgment. You have made a decision. You have decided why she is doing what she's doing. And you are doing that based on 
a cultural concept that's based on what she looks like. And all of your emotions now are being affected. And, and imagine how your emotions would be affected if she had come up to you and started talking to you. And, and maybe she just wanted to ask directions, but immediately you'd start treating her like she was a prostitute. Listen, in judgment, we are not supposed to judge people's intentions. We're not supposed to judge their heart. We're not supposed to judge their motives. But we are foolish if we don't judge their actions. You see, God's Word tells us pretty much what's godly and what's ungodly. Now, I understand there are some variations in there, but by and large, we know godly actions and ungodly actions. And it's amazing that we will see people do godly things, and then because we don't trust their motives, it's offensive to us. Or we might actually people see people do some ungodly things, and because we want to have compassion on them, we judge their motives, and we'll have compassion on them. But, but see, God doesn't give us that right. In fact, the Bible even tells you to judge your own actions to determine if you're in faith or if you're walking in love. You know, one of the most misunderstood scriptures uh, in the New Testament about judgment is in 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one, 31, where it's talking about, you know, uh, uh, taking communion. And it tells us that if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged along with the world. Well, what's interesting about that is that scripture that says if we would judge ourselves, that is telling us that we should judge ourselves to find ourselves approved because we are in Jesus. And so when the judgment that we have about ourselves, now our behavior might not be what it should. There might be a lot of things about our behavior that we know that we have got to clean up and fix up. But, you know, we should be looking at ourselves and saying, but I am in Christ, therefore I am righteous and I can come out of this. I'm not saying use this as an excuse to live ungodly. Because in the Greek, in that passage of Scripture, the first one is a positive, judge to find yourself approved. The second one leans more to the concept of condemnation. And you see, the reason people, the reason we oftentimes as believers live under condemnation, and, other, and that word condemnation really gets into the whole expectation of punishment, expecting that things are going to go wrong because of some place that we fail. The reason we have that is because we didn't judge ourselves and find ourselves in Christ and find ourselves qualified for the inheritance, find ourselves righteous in Jesus. So we've got this thing so totally upside down. We've got this thing so backwards. And because, because of judgment, we trust people that we shouldn't trust. I cannot tell you how many Christians I have known that have lost a fortune doing business with people and I'd sit down with them. I'd say, well, did you, did you uh, check their references? No, I just, I just felt good about it. You felt good about it. So what you're saying is, independent of this person's behavior, 
I looked at them and I made a judgment and assumed that they were trustworthy. See, good judgment is just as destructive as bad judgment. We're not supposed to judge good or bad. All we can know about a person is their behavior. You know, I remember one time a young man that went to our, our Christian school, a graduate of Christian school, a guy I loved, I care about, still care about to this day. And I'd helped him get his first car because you know, he didn't have a dad. And, and, uh, and so I paid for the car. He had to pay me back. And, you know, he just was constantly late on the payments. And so one night he came to my house and he was in a bind. He said, he said, Brother Jim, I really need to borrow some money. And, you know, I'm going to, you know, I promise I'll pay you back. And I said, you know something? And see, I didn't, I didn't know the reasons he didn't pay. All I knew is he didn't pay. I knew what the behavior was. I said, well, you know what? I really can't do that because I don't have any money that I can loan and run the risk of not getting it back. And he said, well, you know, but I, had, I was going through a hard time. Da, da, da. Well, you know, and I told him, I said, you know something? I don't know if you were going through a hard time or you're just one of the unluckiest people I know. All I know, your track record says that I can't count on this. See, I couldn't pass a judgment and say, I feel right about this. I feel right about you. I look at you and, 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 and you know what? I can just overlook everything else. Let, let, let me tell you something. I can't pass a good judgment about you and trust you. The Bible, in fact, tells you the only way you can know who to trust is on their track record, not how you feel about it. By the same token, I might not like the way you talk. I might think you're a little too harsh or I might think you're a little too something. And I can make all kinds of judgments about why you're that way. And the real truth is you might be the most trustworthy, kind person in the world. I just don't happen to like the way you communicate. Now, the people that are bringing pain into my life, it really has nearly nothing to do with what they do. It has to do with this universal law of sowing and reaping. And we talked about it last week. I pass a judgment that I decide if you're godly or if you're ungodly, based on why I think you're doing what you do. And that is forbidden by Scripture. Now, when, that, when I trust the wrong person, I lose my retirement. That's not God. When I trust the wrong person and I end up physically getting hurt, that's not God. When I loan money to people, you know, the Bible warns you, but when I loan money to people that I don't know their track record and it doesn't come back, God hasn't let me down. Yeah, but I was believing he was going to pay me back. It doesn't matter. Because you see, this universal law of sowing and reaping, it alters the way we perceive the truth, the way we perceive that person, the way we relate to them, the way we understand them. But in context of how to stop the pain, more than anything else, it determines the degree and the severity to which they can hurt me emotionally. Because, you know, I got news for you. When you, your wife, your husband, your child, your parent, when they do something and you think they have a bad motive, it hurts. And you can blow up your marriage. You can blow up 
your relationship with your kids. You can blow up everything around you based on a judgment that you don't even know if it's true or not. And I'm going to show you how to get past this. And I'll tell you something. In the series, How to Stop the Pain, there are going to be eight messages that I'm telling you will show you how to work your way through this. So be sure and check it out and be sure and be here next week. We're going to, we're going to go somewhere next week that you've probably never gone before. And I'm telling you, you're going to learn how to stop the pain. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.